I want to start out by taking a quote from Wendy Drury, a restorative practices professor, researcher, and practitioner. And Drury states in 2010, restorative practices is about educating citizens in a diverse world, including conflict management. So I've been talking about how to create a culturally competent and culturally responsive system of classroom management and combining it with some ideas taken from restorative justice, restorative practices, positive discipline, and I introduce a little bit of PBIS. Now let's take a little bit of time to put this all in practical terms. There's a lot of abstract ideas here, and the last thing teachers need is abstract ideas that are not practical in the classroom. So what does this look like in the classroom? So it's the beginning of the school year, and we're setting up our classroom, as I mentioned in the last podcast or so, and we want to think about the paradigm for classroom discipline that fits our classroom. We want to think about a paradigm that's modern, that fits today's classroom, and that revolves around student-centered practices. Student-centered practices doesn't mean that we allow the students to run the classroom or that we engage in soft discipline. It just means that we're aware, alert, and conscious and cognizant of what students need and how to get them on board, how to get them to buy in. Because if we don't have students buying in, then discipline or classroom management is that much harder. So in a diverse world that we work in, that we live in, that we practice in, we have to think about not everybody has the same perspectives, as I've mentioned in the last couple of podcasts. Not everybody comes to the table with the same talents, gifts. Not everybody takes in information the same way. And with that comes students who get offended by something a teacher says or another student says, and teachers who become offended as well. So what we want to do is we want to create a a conscious effort to have a fair, just, equal, and equitable classroom. Now, I've heard that saying, fair is not equal and equal is not fair. And that statement confuses me because to me, fair is equal and equal is fair in the sense that, okay, so not every student gets the same approach. The teacher can't approach every student the same way. For example, the te- some students respond to physical touch, you know, light touch on the, on the shoulder or a little bit of a you know, a little bit of a handshake when you walk through the door, a fist pump, and other students just want to be left alone. They don't respond to physical touch at all. So in terms of how we approach students, there has to be a slight difference. But I do believe in being as equal and fair as possible, and I do believe that the two parallel each other. So the justice that we're talking about in restorative justice is not soft justice. It's not soft discipline. It doesn't mean letting students get off the hook or enabling them. Enabling is doing something that somebody should be doing for themselves or letting them get away with it. What we want to do is level the playing field so that students know what the rules are. They know what the consequences are. They also know how to relate 
and check in with each other and relate to one another. And they need to learn to ask for what they need and when they're frustrated to say something to the teacher, give a signal, take a break, do something so that they don't uh, promote disharmony in the classroom. Now, when we think about this, why are we doing this? Why are we establishing this type of culture in the classroom? It sounds obvious. Yes, we want to relate to students who are more diverse. We want to create positive community. We also want to stop the cycle of inequity. So inequities in school discipline have existed for students of color for the longest time when we look at our history, how students were segregated in education, how students continued to be disciplined different than students who are in the majority differently, how boys are disciplined differently, how students who with disabilities have been disciplined differently in timeout rooms, in segregation and exclusion, how students from transgender backgrounds and of different sexual preferences are sometimes excluded, punished, ridiculed in the classroom and subconsciously uh, un not accepted by adults or by students in the classroom. These students have been historically more likely to not only be ex excluded but to receive harsher disciplinary penalties. So the idea behind creating an equal and fair system of discipline is to not only level the playing field, but to increase the opportunities for students to learn. So going into the school year, we want to think of this as increasing the peace, increasing the opportunities to learn, increasing the opportunities, <clears throat> excuse me, for students to check in with each other, to learn about each other, and just check in, just be a human that is checking in, to have somebody give them a safety net when they fall. That reminds me so much of how we all need a safety net when we fall. Who wants a boss that's going to punish us and fire us or dock us for pay when we make a mistake? We want a boss that's going to promote our growth, to give us feedback instead of criticism, to give us the chance to say why we did something we did, why we made a mistake. Uh, to have our voice heard in a staff meeting, to be valued. Uh, students want the same exact thing. They want the same thing, and they're not always able or willing to say that. Sometimes they walk with their feet. They cut the class if they're older, or sometimes even younger. They feign illness. There's a stomach ache. There's a flu. There's so on. And students have all kinds of ways of not being part of the community when they feel that they're not, their needs are not being met, they're not being heard. But we also want to make sure that students are part of the community, the essential part of the community. Sometimes this sounds almost corny, but it sounds like we sometimes think too much in a hierarchical fashion in the sense that we think top down. This is what I need and this is what the students will do. Instead of thinking, this is a different community than I had last year, and how will they respond to X, Y, Z? Will they respond to the rules I have? Will they respond to the routines I have? How can my routines be adjusted? And for that matter, how can my instruction be adjusted? And how can I find out in different ways 
how to do this without making trouble for myself or more work for myself. So I think of the restorative classroom approach as more than just sitting in circles or having a restorative conversation. I think of it as a result of being fair, equitable, giving people a safety net, seeing the humanity in people, seeing the best in people. Positive behavioral intervention and supports, it's, you know, it's just another way of creating a positive culture across the school. The difference is that PBIS, uh, it's, it's more external in terms of motivating students with rewards, uh, making sure the teacher stands at the door, having routines, rituals, and collecting data. It's more externally centered, whereas restorative practices work on the value system and the, um, the premise that we want to make harm right, we want to equalize, we want to uh, give fair chances to people, we want to reconstruct things that are broken. And restorative practices sort of snowballed that into build up esteem, get kids communicating, uh, get them speaking to one another, do exercises where they get to touch one another in terms of um, in little circle games and things like that, build up the community in the classroom. So these practices, all of them are designed to make students more included in the process of their education, not stand on the fringes and the outskirts as they might have done in the past. There's a lot of abstract thinking that gets involved, but why do we have to complicate things? Teachers have to know kind of what they stand for, and that's really what it comes down to. They have to know what they stand for, and they have to also think about this is not the same upbringing that they, they had. I have to think about that myself. If I had a class in elementary school where punishment was used of some kind, I have to take that paradigm and change it in terms of that's not the world that is today. That's not what the students are going to respond to. That's not going to get me where I want to go. Sure, I want the kids to sit with their hands folded. Who doesn't? I mean, at least in my mind, I do. In reality, it's not that, you know, it's, it, it doesn't always mean they're learning, but in my mind, that's what I think discipline is. But the truth is, discipline simply means that there's some kind of orderly system for making sure that rules are followed, making sure that when rules are not followed, that there is a system and that there's fair and just. Um, returning to to the classroom and also restoring the environment. Restoring can mean many things. Restoring can mean making up with somebody, making amends, talking through a conflict, or if a student destroys property, they need to pay for it, or they need to clean it up, or they need to talk to their parents about paying for it or cleaning it up. They need to understand how they affected the community. And that's the whole idea about restorative practices and why I think it has a place, even if you don't go full-blown into restorative practices. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope to keep talking on this topic. I hope you'll keep listening.
Have a great beginning of the school year.